yourself a gun. Woo! What's happening, people? You are listening to another episode of The Giants, guys. It's the podcast you love to hate. And this evening, we are in the lab. Now, I gave most of the team off, so thanks for listening and tuning in to another episode of The Giants, guys. I'm in the lab with Chris. I gave the whole rest of the team off. And Chris, you're going to have to help me with this because not only am I going to welcome in a, a diehard Giants fan to the show, not only am I welcoming him a trained chef to the show, we're welcoming one of one of the one of the cast members of the best TV show ever made, Joe Janispoli. I'm Mr. Pranos. How are you, Joe? What's going on? What's going on, guys? How are hey, you? Joe. Joe, What's up, pal? I, I gotta tell you, when Chris told me that you were gonna come talk Giants football with us, like I ran out of the room during the show to tell my wife, and she's like. Oh, you're gonna blow it! You you you're gonna you're gonna blow it. She's like, she's like, no no way you're gonna be able to talk about Giants because you're gonna want to talk Sopranos. So I hope easy, you don't mind talking a little Sopranos. Easy easy with the blowing thing, all right? <laughs> <laughs> hey, wait wait, um, all right. So let's Joe, let's do this. Let's start at the beginning because what I find really cool is you're growing up in Brooklyn in the in the seventies and the eighties, right? Right. The Giants sucked from basically the mid-60s through 1984. That's 20 years, okay? What's it like in the Janiscoli house when every Sunday the Giants are getting their ass kicked and part two is how do you become a Giants fan? So uh, I earliest recollection recollection of Giants, I didn't grow up in like, it was Giants football. Most of it was Yankee baseball, which I'm a Yankee fan. It was Rangers hockey, which I'm a Rangers fan. But well, it wasn't like, you know, suddenly revolved around the Giants. For some reason, you know, I was, I was the classic Yankees, Rangers, Giants, Knicks. But not so much basketball because I didn't play basketball. I played hockey and baseball. But, you know, something about the Giants, you know, 162 games in baseball, 82 in hockey. You know, only... Back then, what was it, 14 games? Yeah. 12? Yep. 14. 14. So, you know, once a week, those games were sacred, you know, and I that's why I love spring training, uh, the uh, preseason, because those are an extra couple of games. And um, um, I just became a diehard Giants fan. Um, since Anyone else in the family? 71. Uh, not, not, not really, no. No, my father wasn't, my brother wasn't, but uh, I was for some reason, and uh, I just love those games. I love listening to Marty Glickman and um, Jim Gordon. Um, those were uh, the great uh, – good for a couple of three yards. That was good for – that was my uh, Marty Glickman. Because <laughs> they were – because like I said, I, 
My my uh my dad's had season tickets since '68. I've been going to you know I've missed about, I've only missed like seven games since 1984. And what I will tell you is that my dad used to sit there and tell me how bad they were. People wearing bags on their heads, Pissard check, Morton, you know, a lot of bad years in those '70s and '80s. And and Chris and I we talk about it all the time on how like the young kids today they're complaining about losing the last ten years. I'm like. Man, you you don't know what it was like in the seventies and the eighties. Yeah, the highlight for me was getting Jim Clack. I was like, "Wow, he got a Pittsburgh Steeler." <laughs> You're kidding. Uh, you know, I was a John Mendenhall fan for some reason. I love John Mendenhall. Uh, Gary Jeter, the first Jeter. Yep. Uh, Fred Dreyer and Andy um, Brad Van Pelt. Oh yeah. Uh, uh, number ten. At Ohio State, I uh, loved him. Michigan State, Michigan, Michigan State. Sorry, sorry, uh, Michigan State. You're right. Um, so it was slim pickings, and you know, a lot of those kids growing up, they went over to Dallas, Miami, Pittsburgh. I hate those people. You know, <laughs> if they don't have a, a connection, like one of their parents. Uh, you know, from Pittsburgh or from Texan, or they played uh, there, or they had a cousin that played in Texas, uh, you know, for whatever reason. For those people that just left their teams and became like another fan because they don't want to sit through the, the losing, I have uh, those are the fans that I can't stand. Yeah. And, and I remember, uh, like I said, like as a kid, my dad used to say, regardless of the Steelers in Dallas being on TV, we're rooting. For, we're rooting for the Giants. They're our hometown team. We're rooting. We're rooting for the Giants, and we and we have since. Like I said, my. In fact, um, you know, I, I tell the story often, and then Chris, I'll let you jump in. Um, how we uh, we've been going to the games for a long time with a large group of people, the same forty people for sixty years, and Alex Webster used to have a job as a beer rep in the fifties. And Alex Webster used to come into the bar where my dad hung out, and he used to ask the bar owner to handle Ballantine beer. And the bar owner was it was the bar was called Whitey's. It was in Patterson, and uh, he would he would you know Alex would come in all the time and say, "Look, John, please carry carry Ballantine beer." And the owner said, "What are you going to do for me?" And Alex said, "I I can't I can't give them to you for free, but how about if I got you forty season tickets?" all together in the same two rows. He said, you're on. So wow. all, the fire, all the firemen, all the cops, all the chimney sweeps, all the electricians, all the construction workers put a pot of money in, uh, uh, Joe, and they rented a school bus, two ham and cheese sandwiches, two cans of Ballantine beer, and tickets to the Giants uh, to, uh, you know, back then they were doing Yale Bowl, Yankee Stadium. Right. Um, and 60 years later, it's the same 40 families still going. No kidding. That's beautiful. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. Uh, I was never, I only went to a few games. I saw one in Yankee Stadium. Uh, I remember Bullet Bob Hayes catching a bomb. And I was a kid. I was young. And uh, maybe a handful of games. I was never big into going to the game because to me it was a lot of hassle, traffic. And I could only imagine like sitting in traffic, probably listening to the post game. After a loss, and that was many, and like being miserable, like sitting in traffic listening to that. Whereas if I was home, 
I would probably just go out, play hockey, um, you know, just be miserable at home. But who knows what? And I always used to like hate reading the papers the next day. I used to like maybe even skip Monday. It was like painful to watch, to read. But uh, there was a lot of those uh, Mondays in those in the seventies, you know. Yeah, and uh, it it started turning around. I don't know if it was at McVeigh or Perkins or one. They started a little bit turning around, and um, in the early eighties. Yeah, it was Perkins. Yeah, Perkins, and um, you know. Then we sort of made the playoffs, you know, 83, 84, 85, and, of course, uh, 86 was a magic number. You know, and the greatest thrill for me, a little side thing, is that of all the people I've worked with and saw on The Sopranos, having LT, doing a scene with LT was like I flipped out. All right. Well, okay. Now, if we're good, we're, we're, you, you're, you're stealing my thunder. You're jumping ahead. That's, a, <laughs> that's okay. Wait, so, all right, Chris, I'm going to segue to that and then I'll toss it back to you. So, you know, I remember Sunday nights, you know, it was uh, nine o'clock or 10 o'clock. I forget exactly, but watched it every single Sunday. And I had to go back because I wanted to see how many absolute sports themes there were, you know, throughout the years. I mean, they had, um, you know, uh, Janice and Sill were arguing with the soccer refs. Um, you had the a couple of them on the golf course. The most famous one, of course, is Tony. You know, he owned the uh, the horse, uh, uh, Pai oh My, which wind up getting Ralphie killed. A, a lot of a lot of sports teams, but nothing with the Giants. And then, boom! Next thing you know, you're at the card table. You're sitting right across from them. How does that even happen? Like, how does so, Lawrence Taylor even get there? So, uh, the rumor was is that there was going to be a scene with David Lee Roth. Um, Frank Sinatra Jr. was not in that. It was uh, Tony, me, David Lee Roth. And it was supposed to be Michael Strahan. I was like, wow, Strahan's here? Uh, Strahan's going to be in the scene. Oh, it's going to be great. I, I, I can't wait, you know? So, I get to uh, the set. And I go, is, is uh, Strahan here? She goes, the, uh, the assistant said, no, he's not doing it. I go, what? He's not doing it? What? She goes, I, I don't know what happened. But, uh, and I was like, you know, oh, man. And she goes, oh, a guy named LT is doing it. I went, <laughs> did you say LT? <laughs> well, LT, I have three idols, right? It's Jackie Robinson, Muhammad Ali, and Lawrence Taylor. Yeah. I go, Lawrence Taylor is doing the scene. I go, where is he? So I was like, we get to do the scene. He knew I was a big fan. He sent his assistant out, got me two footballs, signed them. Listening to stories in between, I'm thinking to myself, is this really happening? Like, yeah. I'm in his, and then David Lee Roth was there, which I care less. And like, I'm like soaking it all in. I can't even remember what was happening. I remember after it. I mean, this was like oh three oh four. Cell phones came out with like you could take a picture, and him and uh, Jimmy were shooting baskets in the you know where the trucks went in the studio. They had a basket, and I was taking pictures. And he goes, "Is that one? Is, is that a cell phone? You taking pictures?" I was like, "No, no, no, Lawrence, no, no, definitely not." <laughs> and it was so black and white and grainy, you could hardly tell. 
But I remember that, man, that was like I said, I can't believe I'm getting paid to do this. This is, I mean, that and like, you know, bada bing scenes in the back room, I would get a four hour lap dance was like the two highlights of the show for me. I, I, and I love the fact that when Tony comes in, he says, Sir Lawrence from the Meadowlands. Yeah, Sir Lawrence of the Meadowlands. Yeah, and he did like a little bow with his hands. Yep, and that was great. Did he have any talking scenes that they cut out maybe? No, I can't recall. I can't recall. Um, all I know is the stories in between uh, takes and just listening and, uh, you know, trying to remember everything, which I don't. <laughs> and, and Joe, were you automatically in that scene when that was written? Yeah, yeah it was, I was in it. And they probably didn't even know, like, you know, you know, who was a giant fan, who's not. So I was extremely lucky to be in that scene. Yeah. Did you come to be known as the big Giants fan on, on the cast at some point? No, nah, I really never came up. Sports never really came up. I know Jimmy was a uh, uh, a Jets fan. Um, I don't know if there was any hardcore sports fans. I know Steve is a Knicks fan. Um, Shripper. Um, I don't know if there was any hardcore sports fans uh, like me. I mean, you know, I know, uh, you know, I got a thing with numbers and names and guys that played and you know, in all sports, it's just one of those things that uh, I retain. I don't know if it's whatever reason, but um, no one's really been a hardcore sports fan. And, uh, and, and did it, did like, you know, did the, uh, uh, like, I guess the chasing those guys, like, did they try to bring in more sports guys to do more scenes like that? Or was that just like a one off? I wasn't Mangini in the scene. Yeah, you had, yeah you, had, you, had, you had Mangini too. It's right. In fact, right, they made yeah. the uh, the uh, the comment man genius. I think it was Tony who said that they called right. him, and that was the whole uh, when yeah. he first got there. He did well. Yeah, um, I don't know. I don't think Chase is a big sports fan, so that probably was important to him. Uh, a lot of not a lot of not a lot of sports guys visited set. I think uh, Francesca and Russo might have at one point. Um, but I can't recall basketball, football, hockey, baseball. No, I don't recall. I, I would have heard someone was on set if I wasn't working. How about the uh, – uh, Chris, you wanted to ask him about the about uh, cooking. Shout yeah, Joe, Joe, so, you know, whether you're in New York, L.A., New Orleans, Benchiel ben del Toro, how, how does he all fit into all this? Did you say Benicio del Toro? Yes. Yeah. So uh, I was a chef, uh, self-taught. You know, I grew up in Brooklyn. I worked in Manhattan. Um, moved to New Orleans when I was like 21 and lived there for four years uh, because Cajun cooking was big in the 80s and I had an opportunity to go live there. And uh, learned that, came back, kicked around, and got into the restaurant business. And a restaurant became available right where I lived. Lived in the apartment building and the storefront at the bottom. It was a very popular restaurant, um, making all kinds of money. It was, it was great. It was late night. It was, I was eating and drinking like an animal. And I was gambling because I was making money. And, you know... I like sports, and you think you can outsmart uh, sports, and 
and looking up my wife's around. I still haven't really learned my lesson, but <laughs> uh, you know, it's rough. So I, um, but to back up before that, before I even got a, I was chef of a restaurant in Manhattan and a waiter who I'm still very dear friends with said, we're doing this play. Uh, you'd be right for this part. You want to come and audition. So I did and I got it and I did that for six weeks off Broadway. And I said, you know what? That was fun. I enjoyed it. Um, what should I do? And he goes, why don't you go study with my teacher? So I did that for about a year and a half. I didn't really get much out of the, you know, I was a classically trained teacher and there was a four year thing. He put, threw people out of the class, took them back in, threw me out. I enjoyed because the guy was out of his mind. I enjoyed watching him teach, but not really what he was teaching. But I wasn't in the restaurant business. I was selling ice cream from a cart in Wall Street. And I was like, you know, fuck this. this is, you know, I'm tired of being broke. I'm tired of this fucking sure. nonsense. Going to fucking the basement on 72nd and Broadway. So fuck this. So I got back out of it. And I got back into the restaurant business. So anyway, kicked around a couple of restaurants here and there. I've worked in. And then we finally opened up this place. Very busy place. And... um so I was gambling, gambling, gambling. This is 1990. And last game of the season, Giants are going to the playoffs. Wasn't like now where you can watch a million games. You know, it was like three games, right? Giants, Jets, Sunday Night Football. Mm -hmm. Giants were 13 and a half favorites. They lose to the Patriots, 12-10. Of course, they're resting everybody, right, for the playoffs? The fuck do I know? Said they're going to kill. Patriots were horrible. Next game, and I and I bet fucking big money. And the guy was like, you know, you got this covered? Yeah, I got it covered. Doubled up on the fucking Jets. They got killed. Oh, now I'm fucking really down. And Pittsburgh and Houston, Oilers. Both resting their fucking, def you know, their, their players, right? Pittsburgh's number one defense. And I'm thinking Pittsburgh's going to kill them. They didn't even shot the start their starting quarterback, which might have been maybe Warren Moon, I guess. And fucking Cody Carlson throws for like, I don't know, 500 yards. And, and never and did it again. Right. And never did it again. And I lost 60,000. And oh, I was oh. fucking pale. And like, people thought I was going to fucking faint any second. I go, what's wrong with you? I go, nah, I'm just, you know, I'm tired. I'm not working. Meanwhile, I'm thinking, holy fuck, I just lost my fucking restaurant. So next day I tell my partners, I said, I just fucking lost. I gambled and I called up my friend in LA. I said, I'm coming to see, I was either going to go to Italy or fucking LA. I said to my partners, cash me out, pay my bookie. I'm fucking out of here. And three days later I moved to LA and I met my friend that first got me interested. And he goes, well, I'm staying in this producer's house. I'm house sitting. I got there and I was like, and the giant game was on at 10 a.m. This instead of a three-hour difference. Sure. I woke up. I go, holy fuck, this is great. I'm gonna have to wait for the giant game. Chicago Bears, they played, and um, uh, I said, ah, oh, this is beautiful. Look, and he goes, well, don't get used to it. We're, I'm just house sitting. We're out in a week. We got to find the place. So I did that for four years. I got my first movie called Money for Nothing, uh, with. Um, John Cusack, true story about a kid who finds a million dollars in the street. It was from Philly. Uh, John Cusack, my scene was with Michael Madsen. Benicio was in it. Del Toro. 
Uh, James Gandolfini, I didn't know him. I didn't have scenes with him. Philip Seymour Hoffman, Michael Rappaport, Lenny Venito. I mean, it was all big names. Debbie Mazur. And um, for some reason, Benicio saw the movie and then said, got in touch with me and said, I'm doing a movie. I wrote, I'm going to produce and direct. It's, it's a short film. I want you to be the lead. It's going to be you and Matthew McConaughey. And uh, we're undercover cops doing a drug deal in a hotel. And uh, like, I became, sign me up. Yeah, what's that? You were like, yeah, okay, sign me up. Yeah. So I was like, wow. And so I did that. And um, again, kicking around, you know, fucking broke. I said, okay, I had enough L.A. I can't stand it. I'm going back to L.A. But I kept in touch with Benicio. He got me in two more movies. Uh, that he was going to be in, and the casting directors of those movies, those movies, said, "You're in our movies. We don't know who you are. Why don't you come and meet us?" <laughs> so I did. Georgia M. Walken, and she said, "Do you have an agent?" I said, "No." Well, keep in touch with us every couple of months. Let will tell you what's going on if you're right for anything. I did that, and presto, they said, "We're doing a, a TV show called The Sopranos," and I said. I didn't really want to do TV. I just want to do movies. And they said, oh. what? You don't even have a fucking agent. What do you mean you don't want to do TV? They said, this is going to be something. So make sure you do it. So as you know, I was the bakery customer uh, in the first season. Yeah, you had. I've never seen anyone have two different roles before. You know, you, you, know, you wind up having like you were one role as Gino and then you come back as Vito. How did that happen? Well, they, they uh, I now, I think Patsy Parisi played his, his uh, twin. Uh, one gets shot in the car by Gigi, and he came back as his twin. And I think Jeannie Cusimano, maybe, or the girl at the college office or something. There was one that where they played twins. Yes. But I was a total different character. I was Gino, a bakery customer. Then I came back as Vito. Why? I don't know. I'm the first one to tell you I was blessed and thankful. But, you know, in life, you got to make your own breaks, too. So uh, they brought me back as Vito. And uh, a couple of lines here and there, scenes, season two. Season three, I got to kill Jackie Jr. Oh, yeah, nice job, too. <laughs> yeah. And then season four, the big one, is when I have the idea to bring to the writer's uh, attention about a book I'm reading called Murder Machine about uh, a crew in Brooklyn. Uh, Roy DeMeo and his crew killed 75 people. They had a bar in Canarsie, an apartment upstairs, and uh, they would kill guys and then drain his blood in the bathtub and chop him up. And one of those guys in his crew was gay. Oddly enough, his name is Vito. So I said, wow, that's kind of interesting. And I brought it to the attention of one of the writers. I said, hey, I'm reading this book about a gay mobster. Um, I'd be willing to do it. It's kind of interesting. You never see it. And they went, really? So I gave him the book. And that was it. Now, you know, you're always looking for more to do, you know, more scenes, more acting. And... Um, for me, playing a wise guy, because I grew up in Brooklyn, it would have been kind of easy. You know, you know the mannerisms, the way they speak. Sure. So uh, to play someone totally opposite was a challenge to myself, show I could act. 
to myself and to people, and then hopefully get more acting after the show's over. Do you know it's going to be a hit though? Like when you're, you know, so you get, you know, you said a couple parts, couple speaking parts. Like early on, did you just know it was going to take off? Like people on set, did it have that kind of vibe, or did it surprise you? Because I mean, I don't know more many more loyal fans than The Sopranos. I mean, it is something where people still talk about it to this day nonstop. Like, did you know right away it was going to be like that? Well, the first season, you know, people were buzzing about it. You know, a lot of Wall Street guys were buzzing. I had a lot of Wall Street friends. They were buzzing about it and saying, this is great, this is great. And I started tuning in myself. Of course, I watched my episode that I was on. And uh, by the first season, it was like sort of cultish. By the second season, a lot more people were in tune, you know. By the third season, it was like pretty much on fire, you know. And by then, it was like a hit. And people that knew that this was a great show. And, you know, paparazzi was there and big crowds wherever we filmed. Um, that was going on, too. Go ahead, Chris. Yeah. Jump in. No, no. I, 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 I was going to transition to the Giants, but no, go ahead, Craig. No, I, no, go ahead. Yeah, you, are, okay. you were going to talk about the, the, the years of the Giants. because Yeah, what's, what's interesting, Joe, is the, uh, the excitement and the buildup for the Sopranos and how great it was. It was almost like the beginning of the Giants at that point from, you know, late 90s, 99, 2007. It's, and when you look back, I mean, you're looking at Jim Fossil and then Tom Coughlin. And now these last bunch of years have been horrible. So in your opinion, Joe, who's to blame with this? I mean, you had – Right, we had McAdoo, you had Shermer, we had Judge last year. Obviously, there was uh, GM issues. So, what, what, what's your uh, what's your thoughts on what we've been going through as Giant fans, all of us, those, these past ten years or so? Yeah. So, listen. I mean, not that we're lucky, but I mean, you know, four Super Bowls. I still hate that holding call on Keith Hamilton uh, against the Ravens and uh, uh, Armstead. Armstead, yeah. Uh, not Armstead, Keith Hamilton on the No, Jesse line. returned the uh, touchdown on that play. Oh, 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 oh. And uh, Ron Dixon, I think, had a run back. I think that's still yeah. a record, maybe. Yeah, that was our only offense. Yeah, that was the only thing. And yep. uh, what's the cornerbacks? He was good, and then he Jason blew his knee out. Jason C on his pants falling down, <laughs> trying to cover Stokely. It was so embarrassing. I That's right. why I, I could put the Ravens almost in there because it was Ray Lewis, who I can't stand. Uh, in there with the Eagles and the Cowboys. I don't hate the Redskins, but I hate the Eagles and Cowboys. Um, yeah, so we got kind of lucky with that. And so I can't really complain. We've had four Super Bowls, two miracle Super Bowls. Um, but, you know, you get excited about McAdoo. I mean, I'm not one to like, uh, you know, co- you know, the bad defensive coordinators got blown up. Perry Fuel, uh, the other guy from Arizona. Betcher. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, you know, I, I hate knocking GMs. I hate knocking coaches. You get excited about McAdoo. He goes, maybe the playoffs, maybe the first year, 11 and something. They go, 11 right. wins. Yeah. You know, and then they go into uh, Sherma. All right. So he's like an offensive guru. He's going to help the Dolphins. It's so predictable. And he's gone. And then we get uh, Judge. He's old school. You know, he lit up everybody with that speech. Yep, he's I a Belichick like guy. Him. A Belichick guy. And that doesn't work out. So 
now I'm at the point where I'm not getting excited anymore with Dable and Shone. Shone, I don't even know how to say his name. Shone, Shane, 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 Shane. You know, I like the draft. That was the first draft that was killing me because I was in Europe. I just got back from Europe. You're talking about how popular the show is. I mean, it's 14 years later, and I was doing sellouts, you know, at, you know, 80,000, oh, 15,000, 10,000, 8,000. I was doing sellouts for all these, you know, I was cooking in, in, um, in uh, Ireland, Wales, and London, but I ended up cooking in, in Ireland. Very and every, cool. you know, a couple of hundred people each show was sold out. It was pretty cool. You know, I did Q&As. I told stories, took pictures of everybody. So 14 years later, um, it, it worked out beautifully, you know. But but you liked the draft you were leading into. So Yeah, yeah. So the draft. So, I yeah. So it's first draft because I get, the you know, all ads, football book, which is great. And, you know, I'm right on top of it. Who do I like? You know, and. You know, I'm figuring, okay, we need someone on, you know, an edge rusher. We need an offensive line. Or they're going to go to offensive linemen. But he fixed that in the offseason with a couple of, you know, bargain signings. And it was like 2 o'clock in the morning. I said, time we pick, it'll be like 2 or 3 in the morning. Um, and my guys were going to text me who who we picked. It was killing me that I missed it. But uh, I don't get excited about it because every time I do – you know, even with the coach, I mean, show me like three years in, you know, in a row. We're competitive. We're in games. We're winning games. We're in. We got knocked out the first round, the second round. I, I'm tired of like, you know, one year it's great, and then we're just back to square one again. I'm not falling for that anymore. Yeah, Joe, you, you're saying what I think every, all the Giant fans are saying. It's like cautious optimism, right? We want to see something now because we're, we've are we been down that road so many times. So I think a lot of us, you know, feel the same way. And if you look at how it matches up, you you know, 97 through 2007, right, is that run for the Sopranos. And that's kind of basically how the Giants kind of, you know, that was their run. That was the Tiki Barber into Eli Manning run. And there you are. It's the last season of Sopranos in 2007, and they win a Super Bowl. Like, you guys are, you know, filming in Patterson and, and Cedar Grove and New York, and you're all over North Jersey. I mean, it's like exciting time if you're a Giants fan to be around around North Jersey because I mean that's like you said that that 2000 Super Bowl was a great year. I, I was assuming that maybe you were sneaking off set to see some games. Uh, no, no, uh, no, I never did. I never did. I mean, I went up to camp in Albany, which is great. I love that. I've gone to camp a lot of times. I, you know, I got lucky enough to uh, have an idea for uh, an NFL product. That I got licensed. Um, it's a cover of all the teams. It goes over a five-gallon water bottle. You know, Poland Springs, right? Yeah. And uh, goes over a propane tank. I uh, went to Pat Hanlon. He hooked me up with um, someone that does marketing for the NFL. She hooked me up with someone that uh, they do business with that has products. And I've been friends with them ever since. Uh, we got them into Home Depot. I'm friends with um, the vice president of Lowe's. So they're going to go into Lowe's now. And I've been kicking around with that. So I remember taking them to camp. You know, Tom Coughlin was holding them. I gave them to like front office. You know, all those water bottles that they have in the office, you know, have a giant cover. So I do them for the NH uh, NHL, NFL, college football. Um, basketball and baseball don't sell. Um yeah, and of course military and camo, but it was pretty cool having an NFL product that uh, you know 
was um, it, it doesn't come around there. very often that you get an NFL product either. Like getting an NFL license probably isn't very easy either. Well, it's hard. You know what it is? It's hard enough thinking of a product that hasn't been done. Yeah. You know, when I go to the trade shows, um, you see everything imaginable, and they're trying to get someone to pick it up. You know, you get a woman's like high heel that's a, a wine holder, or you get a waffle maker that has like the logo of a team. Right. I, you know, I don't, I don't know, but I've seen some wacky things that go nowhere. Thank God, my product has been, you know, it's uh, been on Amazon. It's got great reviews. And, uh, you know, it's still going strong. I think that happened in maybe 2012. So it's eight, nine years it's been going. And, uh, um, yeah, so now the person I knew at Home Depot went over to Lowe's. And so we're going to take it into Lowe's. So I'm pretty lucky in that uh, respect. So and that's you, called bottle skins, right, Joe? That's what it's called. It's Is it, called uh, bottle skins. Yep. Bottle skins. Yep. I think yeah. I have one. I know I have one. <laughs> so I got a question about your your opinion on like, yeah, it's been a rough ten years, no doubt. Um, every time you get a new coach, you think they're gonna hit it off. And like I mentioned before, like a lot of the fans are skeptical, right? They're trying to like just ease their way into it, but they're but they're excited because they're fans. And you know, we we talk to a lot of different guys. We interview from Carl Banks to Dan Orlovsky from ESPN. Carl, I think wait, everybody's on the. What's that? I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to interrupt. See, Carl Banks took over those satin jackets. I used to see him a lot Sorry, at the, uh, yep. you know, they had them in there like 86. Remember Belichick wearing that satin jacket? I think Carl Banks took that that license over, and I used to see him at the trade shows. And, uh, yeah, sorry. No, well, that's one okay. Quick, quick story. I saw, uh, I saw uh, Plaxico at a trade show. And really? even though he pissed me off with that gun thing because the Giants had a chip on their shoulders, 2012, what he did to Al Harris against the Packers, 10, 12 catches, and minus 17, he's okay in my book. I don't care so, what he did. So, Joe, have you ever heard the story why Plaxico had a gun with him that that uh, that evening? Have you ever heard the story? No. Okay. i got to tell you what happened. Um, I got this from – one of the guys we interviewed a couple of years ago. Um, so the week before Plaxico shot himself, you remember, you remember Steve Smith, right? USC wide receiver. Yeah, number number twelve. Number twelve. Exactly. So Steve Smith. Um, Chad, hold on, Chad Greenway. I think ended his career with the Vikings. Tackled him and blew out his mm -hmm. knee again. Yep. Yep. Chad think, Greenway. Yeah, and and that was the thing. He he would have been a great receiver, but that knee just kept getting re-injured and re-injured. Yep. Um, class act guy. Actually, I, and I did interview Steve Smith a couple of years ago for uh, for a Madden game that he was endorsing, like a different, like a mobile version. But um, here nor there, the the story was that Steve Smith called the the NFL drivers. They were going to the meatpacking district to party, and so they called the NFL. The driver comes and picks him up, brings him to the meatpacking district. They go out, they do their thing. They call him on the way, you know, to come pick him up. At the time, they were living in Clifton, and he drove Steve Smith home, and when he came around to let Steve Smith out of the car, he pulled a gun on him and said, I'll take your wallet, your chains, your, your watch, and all your money. Now, you know these cats. They they roll with a big wad of money. They're wearing some – they're wearing bling the, so, the size yeah. of, you know, yeah. you know Texas. Look, look at so me. I made up, it. Yeah, so he winds up giving his watch, a big necklace and a wad of cash, some earrings, 
you know, to the guy that supposedly works for the NFL. So the very next week, Plaxico says, well, that ain't happening to me. I'm packing. So he goes out, of course, wearing sweatpants and a, and a 45, a Glock in his pocket, you know, yeah. and, they, and it slips, you know, it slips down and shoots himself. If Steve Smith doesn't get robbed the week before, that never happens. Yeah, and I remember when he got robbed. I remember that. Yep, I do. I didn't know that was the story of why, but uh, it's probably not the best way to carry a gun in sweatpants. <laughs> no. You know? Yeah, no. so, and they were, they were like, steamrolling they were like 10 and 1 i mean they were having like a phenomenal year yep they were steamrolling because they thought like you know 2011 was like a fluke and they were they were steamrolling man they might have went back to back that year that 2018 might have been better yeah yeah that was uh that was a shame i liked uh i like steve smith steve smith had a couple of clutch catches in that super bowl he got a first down yep um. Uh, yeah, that was that was big. You know, I felt bad for Steve Smith and Terrell Thomas, another guy. Yep. You yeah. You know, his knee wow. kept blowing out. I, I well, if we're gonna go that route, don't forget Dominic Hickson too. Ah, uh, Dominic Hickson. But yeah, he came from the Panthers. I mean, he was a return guy. He wasn't. You know, I don't. I mean, he was clutch a couple of times. I think he had some big catches. But I look at him as more as a return guy. Wasn't someone we drafted. Mm-hmm. He, blew, he did blow his knee out two times for the, playing for the Giants. Yeah, okay. Yeah, and he was good. He was a good Giant. I like Dominic. Yeah, he actually owns uh, – we interviewed him last year. He's got a really cool company called Super Bowl Fishing where he's actually a, he's actually a captain. He owns a couple boats uh, down in Florida, and the boat is called Super Bowl Fishing. And he oh, takes no – Yeah. Yeah, if you want the info, I'll shoot it to you later if you can't, in case you're down there. I mean, he's a really good dude. He even told us the story to how he asked Mr. Mara if he could, after he blew his knee out the second time, if he could rehab at home in Ohio because his mom was dying of breast cancer. So he, he wanted to be home by his mom. So, he, you know, people were like, you know, where did he go? You know, because normally you see those guys around the facility. So he yeah. told us a real heartfelt story on how he went home to be with his mom. Yeah, I, I'm thankful we have a class uh, uh, owner ownership in, in the Maras and and so on. You know, well that that was what I was going to lead into next is, and Chris touched on it a minute ago. We've had you know we've blamed Reese and Gentleman, we've blamed McAdoo, Shermer, and Judge. Do you ever feel like the ownership is to blame? Because like you know we we make a lot of mistakes. <laughs> so, yeah. so I'm wondering like you so, know if that's what you think. Well, uh, let me just. Uh, you know, Reese had some uh, some big big uh, draft picks, um, and Gettleman. Someone just wrote an article of how the whole thing turned around, trading back, getting uh, putting Kadarius there, and they took Fields, and what it turned out to be. So that Gettleman move now turned out to be Neil, right? Yeah, Evan Neil. Yep. So, um, and if this guy is there for 10, 12 years, which I hope, and turns into be like an old pro, I mean, that's a Gettleman move. And I like Gettleman, you know what I mean? He was like, he knew the nonsense that Odell brought. I couldn't stand Odell. I couldn't stand him. I mean, this guy can like, he was, to me, it was like Ricky Henderson. Ricky Henderson could take over a game. You know, you, you couldn't, uh, he had power. He could steal a base. You couldn't stop him. 
but he was the type of guy to stop on second so he could steal third. And, um, (laughs) (laughs) you know, uh, and Odell was all that. I said, what are you putting your target on your back for? They're going to be gunning for you. But, you know, that little uh, screen or that little. um, The kicking net. uh, No, yeah. He looks stupid sometimes. And, you know, it was always about like, you know, look at me and, and, and that nonsense. But that he was uncoverable there for a while, and uh, he threw it all away. And you know he was having a big game in the Super Bowl. He's probably going to come back again. I don't know if he's going to lose another half a step, but he he looked great. But that pissed me off. But uh, so Gettleman knew to to get rid of these guys that were like cancerous, you know. Um, you know Bobby Hart starting for a lot of teams. It broke my heart when you know Eli was getting emotional and you heard laughter in the background. I hated that. You know, and I don't know if JPP was part of that. He's been productive. Uh, but those guys just have no place being giants. Yeah, it's, it's been rough. You know, I just – that's why I was wondering if you if you had any feeling on Mara because sometimes there's so – listen, I'm – again, I, I'm not a young guy. I grew up with the team. Chris, we grew up with the team. And sometimes you just got to wonder, like, you know, if Mara – is to blame because he's he's involved too much. And this year felt refreshing because they bring in, you know, three specific, four specific guys from outside the organization. And it's refreshing to see them get Kafka from Kansas City and Dable and Shane from Buffalo and Wink from Baltimore. Like, it's the first time we've actually had that where they didn't just retread another guy. So they brought in Judge, right? Yep. And he's coming from Belichick school and he's got all this knowledge. And he gives that speech in the beginning. He goes, this is the guy. Yeah. So how is, like, the owner not supposed to say, I think we found the guy. This is going to be the guy. And the team doesn't respond to him. And then there's, like, blunders. And it stays too long with Garrett. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I don't know. So it, it's very tricky. It's just like any draft choice. You don't know who's going to be Ryan Leaf or uh, – What's his name from the Raiders? Russell, Demarcus from the yeah, uh, right, right, right. right. Or, and who's going to be a six-round Tom Brady? Meanwhile, <laughs> who loved Brady? I think it was uh, Sean Payton loved Brady, right? And then McAdoo loved uh, Mahomes, and he couldn't get them to draft him. So, you know. But listen, uh, Bump Phillips drafts George Rogers. We get LT. So every once in a while, we get a you know a piece of luck. And, uh, you know, Eli coming in, I don't care what Eli did and this and that. He was clutch when he had to be. He was tough in Frisco. I loved Eli. And I like Jones. I like Jones because I think he's just like Eli, same demeanor, wants to be great. He's not flashy. He's not going to be doing all the uh, antics. But he's faster, and I think he has a stronger arm. I just hope that he could be – I hope he doesn't have an excuse I hope he has the protection and can show what he can do. Because it would suck to have to now go and find another quarterback. I don't think I can handle another quarterback right now. <laughs> and and I like Tyrod Taylor. I always have. So uh, I like that kind of quarterback, you know, to spice things up. And, you know, unfortunately, you know, Eli, I said, you're going to miss him when he's gone. The guy never missed the game. And, uh, you know, Jones has. So. We'll see. We'll see. So Jones has missed a lot of games. 
Uh, Jones has missed a lot of games. Yeah, that's a problem. But yeah, we'll I didn't. I didn't see. You know, like I said, I want to root for the guy. He, you know, he's got no line. He's got no running back. He's got no wide receiver. He's getting blown up. So I get it. I get it. it it's it's hard to say that you know he's going to be the guy. Um, but I'm rooting for him. He's wearing blue, so we're all rooting for him. And we've had plenty of people on here that hate him and love him. Yeah. But we're all but we're all at the same point where he is the starting quarterback. So we got to get, you know, you got to, you got to stand by him and root for him and wish him the best. Cause if he does have a decent year, at least, you know, they can franchise tag him the next year. Yeah. I'm hoping he does. I'm hoping he does. I hate starting over. I, you know, I very rare that, I mean, even these undrafted free agents, you know, when they got to do comes down to cutting down the roster. I mean, I, I feel bad for all of them. I want them all to like do well. And uh, it's only a couple of guys that, you know, just drive me, you know, CC Brown comes to mind. There's been a million of them. <laughs> wow, that's uh, a damn pretty good bet. Dude, CC Brown. It hurts. It hurts, that, Joe. That whole, that whole year gave me nightmares going into camp with no safeties. And then and then Jerry Reese going, well, I'm gonna go find some guys that came are and 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 act me. And they signed Aaron Rouse, not Aaron Ross, but Aaron Rouse and CC Brown. I was like, what Aaron in the Rouse. world is wrong with Jerry Reese? What guys running wide open. <laughs> Chris. Jerry we, Reese, the three of us would have been fine again. Exactly, that. I think I could still run a four nine, a four nine. Um, Jerry Reese was asleep at the wheel from 2011 to 2016, and and like I don't hate Jerry Reese, but man, that second half of his tenure, he literally just took the money. Yeah, yeah, he let that uh, Andrew uh, playing for the Rams. He didn't think uh, he wanted he to stay with. Yeah. Uh, you know, so many times the Yankees, the Giants, say Yankees, the Giants got scooped. By the guy they wanted, the team jumped in front of them, or they took them team. You know, they took them, like, and we did it the Cowboys supposedly, right? We took Thibodeau and we yeah. took Neil, and they were on the Cowboys things. But maybe it was Brandon Scherf we were going to take, or was it uh, Martin from the uh, Cowboys? Oh, and uh, who? Quentin Nelson. No, nah, I don't know if it was Quentin. I think it was Brandon Scherf, and it was. Um, uh, Martin, uh, the uh, the running back for the Bucks, I think. I don't know. We wound up taking maybe you know uh, David Price or not. Oh, David, David Wilson. David Wilson. David Wilson. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a couple times it's happened, and uh, they had to settle. So something I, you know it goes back and forth. You don't know how these. It takes a couple of years for these guys. I hope this kid Wandell Robinson. I hope they like really Kafka and and really start doing plays that this guy. Is a little bit like um, the guy who's just with the Chiefs. Now he's with the Raiders. Uh, Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill. Yeah. Yeah. I, I gotta move. My daughter's gonna dance. Sorry. Okay. Um. Uh, Tyreek Hill and him and Kadarius. I mean, he showed flashes. Uh, Kadarius. Um. You know, he got hurt. He did. He had a stupid penalty. I think cost us. Uh. I tell you, Mika Parsons would have been great, and the fact yeah, that we were, we were, uh, we you know, Meredith wanted Meredith mm -hmm. want Parsons. He didn't want Meredith want Mika Parsons. No, because you know, Mark wants every guy in the Giants to be squeaky clean. Uh, he had a problem. It's evidently, he had some issues in the locker room. Nothing big. It was all blowout. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. it's college kids being stupid. 
Yeah, I mean, a couple of guys. That I know they want, you know, captains, and they try to go for that, and squeaky clean is, you know, is good. But some of these guys will make, you know, stupid mistakes when you're freshman, sophomore. Uh, I mean, how we drafted uh, uh, Taylor? The, the, no, um, DeAndre Baker. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah that was a nightmare. I mean, uh, you know, I. I don't know. I mean, they interviewed the guy. I mean, they they didn't see he was he had ghetto written all over him. I don't know, mm-hmm. and uh, I don't know what he's going to be with the Chiefs. But uh, that was a waste. That was annoying. Uh, you can go on and on. We got a million stories. Yeah. I guess every team has a million stories. But I mean, I don't know for the Giants. You know, um, I hope number five Thibodeau is the real deal. We're gonna find you know, out. and I hope. Uh, 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 Aziz comes back and it turns out to be something. And then you hear about these kids that, you know, what's his name? Fox from North Carolina, LT. I mean, he's he's got size and one of these guys is a sleeper. I always hope mm-hmm. that's why I like spring training and uh, and preseason because one of these sleepers, you hope to get a Victor Cruz, you know? Yeah, oh, we could use another Victor Cruz right yeah. now. All right, well, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna do this, Joe. I'm gonna ask you, Chris. Do you have something you want to jump in with? No, just one thing, Joe. So uh, let's fast forward. We're going to September uh, 11th. Unfortunately, September 11th will be the first game against the uh, the Titans. What goes on at the Ganascoli residence that day for the first game? In terms of food, people, what goes on that week one? I used to do. I mean, I used to have a lot of people over at my house for every Giant game. And I used to do cooking and, you know, halftime and we eat and and so on. It's not so big much as anymore because people go different directions and who's working, who can't make it. For a while there, I was uh, hooking up and going to um, – uh, they're going to kill me because he, he does a great tailgate party right by, by the entrance. I mean, this guy puts out like, you know, uh, restaurant equipment to do uh and it's great because whoever's going to the game he has a tv and i watch it on tv i don't want to go into the stadium i don't want to do all that and okay you know put a million pictures walking so it was really good it was like hardcore fans and i love them and and i i hung out with them so that was pretty cool but um i'm gonna be home this year um and uh, i you know I, I'm gonna try not to get too excited about the pre, you know, the games. You know, where, I mean, I'm not the last couple of years. If you weren't home, where were you? Uh, where was I? I might have been traveling. Okay. Um, I, it's very rare that I miss a game. You know, it's a couple of times I had to cook on Sunday. You know, I do the private cooking. Um, and I've watched it like I was doing a private game, private party when we beat Seattle, which was big. That oh, was yeah. cool. Leonard, Leonard yeah. Williams had like three sacks that day. Yeah, it's it's hard to concentrate on the game because I'm big on freezing it, rewinding, slow mowing, you know, whether it be <laughs> uh, injuries or uh, challenges, and that's what I love doing also too, which you can't do at the game. Um, yeah, so that yeah, we, I like doing, and then flipping around and keeping an eye on the red zone. That's I, I right, interviewed. I was trying to think who we, we interviewed a couple couple months ago. Said that he can't even watch it anymore. He'll uh, who was I? Who was I? Oh, I was talking to Pe- Pepper Johnson, and we interviewed him, and he said the o- the only reason why he watches 
the game is because he had Leonard Williams as a rookie when he was coaching at the Jets. So he said that he, you know, he's a big fan of Leonard Williams when he had him as a Jet, and he and Leonard Williams had his best two years as a Jet. So he'll tune in to watch Leonard, and when Leonard's not in the game, he turns it off. Mm. <laughs> All right. Yeah. I like, I like the big cat. Yeah, I like him too. I think he gets too much crap. I like him a lot. Yeah, I like him a lot. I just have a quick story. Pepper Johnson. So I'm living in L.A. However, I got it. The Giants are playing Oakland Raiders at the Coliseum. Okay. I get to the game, right? I'm sitting up like, you know, high up or whatever. And I tell you, there was like all gangs there, right? And cops are walking out. They probably got warrants there. My friend says, if you get up once to cheer for the Giants... I'm walking away. I don't let me know yet because I would have got my ass kicked. <laughs> Giants lost 13-10. Pepper oh, Johnson man. says, we lost to a bunch of ducks. I always remember that. Oh, That's a great line. Oh, man. Well, yeah, Pepper Johnson's a tough dude. All right, I'm going to give you, Joe, what we call the speed round. So it's this, it's the Soprano-style speed round. These are the easy ones. Ready? Good. You're cooking for the boss in their home. What's the main course? Steak, lobster, or fish? You say lobster or pasta? Uh, a lobster, steak, lobster, or fish. What are you cooking for the for the for the for the crime boss? Oh, uh, I'm making uh, lobster over linguine. Okay, you're meeting some ladies at the club. Who's your wingman? Bobby Bacalari, Big Pussy, Furio, or Artie Buco? All slugs. I take Gigi John Fiore. That's my guy. <laughs> <laughs> all right, he said they're all slugs. Um, all right, MetLife's gonna have another Super Bowl. You're running a racket on tickets, high stake poker before the game, or a post party at the bank. <laughs> the bank. All right, the man. bank. Yeah, I, I tell people all the time when I travel, and we start talking about Sopranos because right away I tell them I'm from Jersey and I'm Italian. They launch into this whole Sopranos thing, and they're like. Have you ever been in the Bada Bing? I'm like, it's satin dolls. It's not called oh, Bada Bing. Right. They're, and Joe, they're they're disappointed. They're like, wait, it's not really called the Bada Bing? I'm like, no, it's on Route 17 and it's called Satin Dolls. <laughs> I, I watched their, yeah, I watched their hearts break. Um, all right. You get in a bar fight. What Giants player do you want with you and why? Oh. Well. I would have wanted Vontez Burfick, but uh, he wasn't a giant. What I want? I want someone that's like, you know, insane. I think LT would be the guy. Okay. Because, uh, yeah, he's falls to the wall. I, I always said my guy would be Keith Hamilton. That dude was that dude was scary as hell. Yeah. I, okay, Keith. When I was in my 20s and he was living in West Patterson, there was a car wash at the bottom of uh, the bottom of the hill in West Patterson right off a of, uh, – 46 and he came and he did an appearance i was scared crap of that guy and it was like my it was like you know it was uh, uh i was working for the herald news at the time way back in the day and then we went to cover it and i gotta tell you that cat and, and don't get me wrong he was like the nicest guy ever but just the way that dude looked like i was like yo i want to take that dude with me in an alleyway any day that dude that dude, that dude scared the crap out of him all right um one you remember Jeff, Jeffrey Leonard? Jeff, oh. Jeffrey Leonard played for the Milwaukee Brewers. Yeah. Uh, they called him penitentiary face. He just had that look. 
that exactly. That's exactly how Hamilton looked. When you looked at him, you were like, you know what? I'm I'm not effing with that dude. I mean, Joe, Joe, that really- reminds me of Al Habrowski, the mad Hungarian, a pitcher for the Brewers, wasn't it? Al Habrowski. Oh, he was a Cardinals lefty. Yeah, Cardinals, the mad Hungarian. They're probably buddies. Yeah, they're probably friends. Yep. There's some there's some guys just have that don't f with me face, man. There's no doubt. All right. One yeah, yeah. giant one giants player that might benefit from a session with Dr. Melfi the shrink. Hmm. I to me this is super uh, easy. Danny Jones with the drops. You're close. Who does He's he throw with like drops? I, I go with Ingram all the all day. Ah, that's a fucking guy I don't want to give up on. Uh, Evan Ingram needs Evan Ingram needs a little Doctor Melfi in his life. Yeah, 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 yeah. I can see that too, but uh, I hate giving up on guys. All right, you know, I you know these fucking guys, you know the GMs and the fucking coaches. I hate when they cut guys because it's not their guy. You know, and I've seen that happen to a lot of guys, and they go somewhere else, and I go, oh, they're fucking productive. Yeah. So I didn't like the yeah, fact that they got rid of Bradbury. We'll I, uh, yeah, I wish something could have been worked out with him. I wish something could have been worked out with him. But it, again, that was all about payroll, and he can't even get a job right now because he wants an extension, and yeah. nobody wants to sign right. him. He's still out there, yeah. Yep. And don't get me wrong. He's I'm still the out way. there. It's amazing. Joe, I'm the same way. I'm like, look. This guy probably played press corner in college. Maybe he's a little rusty at it, but he was an all-pro two years ago. I'm sure he could figure it out. In Bradbury's mm. scenario, it's just that he he just wanted so much money. We couldn't afford to kick the can down the road with him. But I do agree with you. Sometimes we get rid of guys for all the wrong reasons. Yeah. All right. Outside of you, if you had a cast member that you could – you know, either create to be a Giants fan. Like who who could you uh, influence to be a Giants fan? Who was a football fan? Maybe they uh, on the you know in the cast. Maybe you can say, "Hey, come to a game with me," and they'd love the Giants. Or is, is there anybody that? Because you know, uh, you know, Gandolfini was a big Jets fan. He was a big Jets fan. I can't think of anybody that's like a sports fan that would be like, you know, my favorite guy on the show to hang with was uh, the guy who died on the toilet bowl, Gigi, mm-hmm. and he's a he's a New England guy. Uh, but I love him. We have a lot of laughs. He's my favorite guy. What's that? You still talk to him? Yeah, I do. That's awesome. Who, who are you? Are you still still close to people from the show? Uh, I wouldn't say close. I mean, Gigi's probably the the closest, you know, Fury. Okay. I know these guys are probably spread out. Yeah. All right. Who's the hardest boss to make happy? Tony, Richie, or Johnny Sack? Mm. Richie April. Richie April. Yeah, man, I hated that. Yeah. I I loved to hate that dude. Oh my god. Yeah, he had the uh, you know, Joey Pants. Uh, Ralphie was like Weasley, and uh, Richie April was scary. Richie was you scary. Know? He was. And, then, yeah. and uh, Chris didn't he get yeah. caught up in the tub? I believe so. Yeah, right. Was Richie in the tub? Uh, oh, uh, at oh, the end. Rich, oh, yeah, oh. Didn't, uh, didn't Richie get cut up in the tub? Uh, Janice called. Um, no. Right? Oh, 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 right, right, right. Oh, when they got rid of him after Janice yeah, shot him. Yeah, when he came over. Yeah, Christopher, yeah. Yeah, they buried him under a tree overlooking a bluff or something. Yeah. Actually, uh, though, I will tell you this, Joe. 
one of my closest friends in the world lives on that little falls on the, on the falls where you know they dump the body over the falls and little falls there. The bridge, right? There, yeah. My buddy actually lives in that building. Every I, I think about it every time I go see him. I'm like, I'm like, dude, like, do you ever like realize that like they shot like the Sopranos here? And he's he, like, he, you he did a header. They they took they took a header. When I when I went over to George Washington through Fort Lee, I used to look at the uh, the hotel where they killed me, and then they knocked it down. The motel. Oh. Yeah, I think it was called the Metropolitan. Yeah, you took a couple bats, my friend. Yeah, well, pool, pool cues. Oh, oh, that's right. They were pool cues. Were pool cues yeah. right. If you had to start a new family today, name me a giant, a giant that could be a crime boss, a crime boss, and name two lieutenants. So who's your who's your three giants? Uh, one that could run the family and his two lieutenants. Uh, David Deal would be a lieutenant. Ooh. I'd have to go with offensive lineman. Uh, Deal and Snee lieutenants. And who's the third? My, my. Who's the boss? Who's the actual boss? Who's the boss? Who's the boss? Who's the boss? That's a good one. Um. Ooh. I might have to go with Bavaro. Who's the guy? Oh, Bavaro. Yeah, that's not bad. That's not bad. But he's too quiet. He's too quiet. But maybe he leads by silence. Yeah, no, I don't know. That wouldn't be bad, Bavaro. Yeah, I'll take Bavaro. All right, here's here's a hard ready. This one's gonna be hard, so I'm I'm gonna let you go go as far as you want with this one. Parcells or Belichick? Belichick. Ooh, why? Yeah, Parcells annoyed me because he he was you know he was Jets, Patriots, Jed, uh, Dolphins. He was all over the place. Hmm. Belichick. Uh, one coach, one guy, and uh, Belichick won without Parcells, but Parcells number one without Belichick. Ooh, right there, there, my there friends. That's it. I was just gonna say, yeah. it's Joe dropping knowledge on you right there. That was impressive. That's the right. mic drop right there, Joe. I know. Uh, what's that? At, that was the mic drop. <laughs> favorite player. <laughs> Favorite player on the current team that you'd like to cook for? Somebody's going to invite you over to cook. Who, who's the guy you like? You know, you're rooting for. This fucking team is so new. I mean, you know, I have to study the roster still. I have to learn all the numbers. I have to learn uh, who would I want to cook for. Well, I want to get to know. Uh, I mean, Jonesy. I want to make you know, want to make him happy. See how he eats. What he eats. You know, so you know how to twirl a, uh, you know, linguine in a spoon without dropping uh, it. Right? I don't, I don't, Joe strike it. me as a guy who knows how to use the spoon. He don't strike me as that guy. Yeah, that's why I gotta teach him. I want to teach him. I want to see if he wants to put cheese on his fucking clam sauce. <laughs> that that would be a fucking telltale sign. I go, damn, come on, what are you a fucking farmer? You don't put fucking cheese on the fucking clam sauce. Come on. Oh my God, that's a scream! You fucking even Olive Garden here? Come on! <laughs> so tell tell me tell me about tell me about how you got the um the Sopranos parties started. Like, where does it come from? It's such a great idea. I know the fans are super loyal. Like, I, I don't know many more loyal fans than Sopranos fans, and I think what you're doing is pretty cool. So I want to let like yeah. you know all the YouTube fans and that are that are tuning in. 
How did you start? So, uh, I just, I knew a girl that says, you know, my husband's a big fan. I'm having a little birthday party for him. Would you come over and make a few dishes? So I did that. It was about like six or eight people at her apartment. And she posted it on uh, this uh, Facebook page called Tri-State Restaurant uh, Club. And there's about 75,000 members. And she goes, oh, my husband or my boyfriend or we're such big Soprano fans. How do I get in touch with them? How can I do that? So it just, I mean, I've done over 100 of them now. And um, usually Friday, Saturday, uh, I'm there about 10 hours. I get there one. I do all the shopping. I have an assistant. They pay for the food. They pay for, they pay my assistant. I have a woman that'll make a Sopranos cake if they want it, Soprano favors. And um, I have different menu options. And I have a minimum of 16 people up to 40. Um, and it ranges from 125 per person to 175. And, um, you know, I uh, sometimes they get the husband out and they come to the door. I answer the door, they're filming it. And I go, what the fuck you want here? And they, they don't have, have a hard time registering it. And, um, you know, I'll tell stories, my story. I'll answer Q&As and I'll take pictures. A couple of months ago, uh, the woman, well, she was filming it. And she's um, getting her husband to go out the door. And I'm coming up with a fucking, I got my little bat that I keep in the uh Oh, my God. Yeah. Keep that in the car. And I'm coming out the car. I go, oh, didn't I tell you not to make me come fucking looking for you? And he's backing up. He goes, who the fuck is this guy? And she's going, and he's going, she's going, John, what's going on? He goes, I don't know what it is. I go, come here, motherfucker. I told you I didn't want to fucking look for you. This guy got really fucking scared. And then as I'm walking toward him, he goes, Vito? And I I go, yeah, it's me. It's your fucking birthday present, fucko. Oh so my god, funny. that's awesome. Wow. Yeah, it was great. I put, I put up on Facebook. It was fucking great. They were fucking dying. This guy actually got really fucking scared. I felt bad for him. Yeah, and on top of that, now he doesn't have an appetite anymore because you scared the <laughs> shit out of him. <laughs> oh, well, okay, this is a stupid question, but like, do you have to see what their kitchen looks like? If you're are you cooking in their kitchen or are you bringing it already yeah. made? So that's the big fucking mystery is like what kitchen I'm walking into. Some of them are big, beautiful, unbelievable kitchens. Like I've worked in like million dollar homes. Yeah. And some are very small and there's no counter space. I have to bring it, you know, they see you got a folding table. Uh, because I make about 18 appetizers. I do a shrimp scampi tasting, then I do a choice of pasta, and then their entree. So um I have about 12, 15 shopping bags that I bring in and I need a lot of room. Um sure. So it's kind of rough. And then, you know, the worst fucking oven is an induction oven where you need the magnetic pans, which suck. And then the electric ovens, which uh, electric you know, tops, which also suck because they're all different. Can't get them fucking working on off. That drives me nuts. And uh, so, you know, what kitchen you're working in for? I try to tell them, clear off the counters, clear out the fridge. I need, you know, what I need. And, but I bring a lot of my utensils and, and so on. So That sounds like fun. I, I make it fucking work. I haven't had a bad party yet. Um, it always works out. They always love it. And so much food. And it's a great time by everybody. 
So you didn't really even expect that to happen. It was like a one-off that rolled into be- became something else. It became a thing, and just during the pandemic, and it's it's been it's been great. It's been it's beautiful because I meet people, I have fun, I mix up the appetizers. You know, I do it seasonally, um, and I get to play around a little. And really, cooking is my first passion, and um, it's fun. I mean, sometimes people get by the end of the night they're fucking hammered, and they don't even care about answering questions. I'm like, good, let me get the fuck out of here. So pay me. And, uh, you know, so that's good. And sometimes it's so fucking intense that all the guys, they know every fucking line. I'm talking about every line and it's nonstop lines, which is pretty funny, too. Uh, you know, so sometimes it's just he's a fan and the rest of them are speaking Polish, which has <laughs> yeah. happened, you know. So, yeah. But uh, I'm missing the fucking uh, hockey games. I gotta get oh, the fuck in there. Wait, see, I can't, I can't get it. I can't get it here. So I'm down by Philly, and I can't get it. You can't get the games. No, depending on what night it airs, it gets blocked out because you know it's it's uh where I'm in Eagles t- uh territory. So sometimes I don't get yeah, it. Yeah, but these are national fucking games. It's the Avalanche and the fucking Blues and the uh. Yeah, now, now I can first round when they uh, had the Sixers when the Sixers were still in the playoffs. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Fuck. Yeah. So yes, I was yeah. screwed. All right, hey, yeah. thanks for uh, you listening to another episode of Giants guys. Um, you know. Tune in. By the way, if you need to, if you need to to reach Joe, you can find him on Twitter. He's pretty active. And make sure you you know you book your own Sopranos party because what 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 better way to go about the holidays or birthdays? Um, thanks I for don't listening. do apartments. What's that, Joe? I don't do apartments. No apartments. Yeah, because I like to fucking take my breaks, go out, smoke my cigar, and uh, you know I go in the backyard or I go in my car if it's well warm, cold, whatever. The pompets are rough. I can't be running in and out of the fucking elevator. <laughs> I, don't I need counter space. You counter space, right, baby. Counter space. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks for everything. Thanks for tuning in. Joe, we owe you one. Um, you know, uh, one, this will be up on YouTube tonight. You'll be able to tune in tomorrow. Thanks for hanging out with us. Thanks, uh, my pleasure, guys. Let's go. Uh, go let's big just loop. be fucking competitive. You know what I mean? Let's be competitive. Yeah. And play not, smart Joe, fucking football. Joe, we're gonna maybe maybe I'll have to pay you to come cook at L two with us. We do we do a big tailgate. Uh, I'll get back on that. <laughs> <laughs> come on, now, Joe. I'm telling you, it's the same. It's the same. It's the same forty families for sixty years. Yeah, that's it. what I want to do on my fucking day off. Uh, I know, right? <laughs> he's like, he's like, my only day I get to hang out and watch the game, right? Yeah, Joe, you have, hey, have fucking outside fucking a tent cooking. Seven seven yeah. wins this year, Joe. Seven wins. Seven wins. Yeah, I'm an optimist. I always think we're going to do better than that. So fuck seven wins. I don't. I don't. I, seven wins is not good. Seven and ten. Ng. I mean, yeah, I'm with. I want ten wins, but if I did seven, I'd be happy. All right, I'm going to say we get a little lucky. You know what I mean? I, the Eagles right. fucking scam it. The Eagles. You know the fucking they always they've been doing. Howie Rose, Roseman does a good fucking job there. He does. Yeah, he's a smart. Uh, they got yeah. that monster in the middle. They got fucking AJ Brown. They got the receivers. Another guy, Devonta Smith. He's fucking. They they we we got scooped out of him, and we got yeah, the, we whatever, you know. Yeah, so, and they took that. And they took that great linebacker this year. Uh, who they take? They took. Uh, who? Not yeah, Lloyd. Uh, Dean. 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 Nicobe Dean. Oh, Nicobe Dean. Yeah. N- N- Kobe Dean? 
we're gonna be we're gonna be crying that that, that we have to play against him twice a year for the next ten years. The Kobe, yes, from Georgia. Yeah, uh, didn't he have like uh, knee issues? That's why they stayed away from him. Still around. Oh, yeah, Achilles. Yeah, he's he's a little banged up, but it's not yeah. gonna hurt him long term. Right. Yeah, I hope Jalen Smith sticks around. I like Jalen Smith. I do too. Yeah, yeah I hope. I hope I think, I think that it's always about the money with Jalen Smith, right? Because he wants to get paid like the Cowboys paid him. Yeah, uh, yeah. We'll see. Well, they haven't cut him yet, right? No, I don't think so. Unless yeah, I don't think he's it. on the roster. He's still he's out there. He's not on the roster. I don't yeah, believe he's so. Only he's, had, uh, he only had a one year deal. Yeah, he's out there though. He's out. There. Uh, okay. I mean, he was always active. He was pretty yeah. good. But um, I got to hop. It's been a pleasure. I don't do a lot of podcasts. I really I, I get to ask so many times. I'm tired of talking Sopranos, same fucking questions. Uh, but, you know, when I, I get, of course, when it's the Giants and we mixed it in, yeah. you guys are knowledgeable. You. We, we tried to make good. it more football. That's right. No, no, it was good. You guys are knowledgeable. You weren't like, you know, the stupid fucking, what was it like to play a gay guy? Are you really gay? When they ask me if I'm really gay, I say, ask your sister. <laughs> <laughs> nah, you know what? Look, I've been doing this long enough where I know what the, what the people want to hear. So we're asking right. questions that are, that are one, it's fun, it's Giants related, and your guest doesn't get offended where they're like, uh, what do you call it? You listen to WFAN probably sometimes. Um, Not as much as I used to. I, I, I hardly listen to it at all. It's okay. all fucking gambling and fucking nonsense, and it's all well, bullshit. Well, Tiki Barber's on there with uh, with Brandon Tierney. Yeah. And, and Tierney said, hey, thanks for not doing the gotcha. And I'm like, what do you mean the gotcha? He's like, sometimes I do these shows and they ask these questions, the gotcha questions. He's like, right, right, right. It. And we, do, right, we just like, don't do that. We have fun. Yeah, like in, in politics. Uh, uh, I'll leave you with this. You know what they said about Vito is that he was great on the piano, but he sucked on the organ. Oh. <laughs> I don't know. Joe, okay, thanks thank you, Joe. Thank you. All right, All right guys. Joe, be well. Go Rangers. Joe. Yes. Good luck. See ya. See ya, Joe.